I said to Stephen this morning, I was like, less heckling today, please. <laughs> if anyone was here a couple of months ago, they'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> He's like, I thought you liked it. No, it's good. A bit of interaction is a good thing. Um, so yeah, it's really good to be here. Um, so um, we're going to be, we, we're, we're, in a, we're doing a series called Power in Weakness. Is that right? Power in Weakness. Um, and um, it's in 2 Corinthians. So um, we're continuing in that series today. Um, so I'm going to start with a little bit of a story, something that just happened a few weeks ago. So I don't know if, if you can relate to this, um, like when you have to sort of stop yourself from doing weird things sometimes, like <laughs> being a bit of a weirdo. Um, maybe it's just me. So and um, I'll explain what I mean with this story. So if, it was a couple of weeks ago and this happened. And um, I'm one of these people, well, I've, I've become one of these people who used to not go in with a list and stuff and just float around, not really know what I'm getting. But I've, I've discovered that that basically results in coming out with like three bagfuls of sweets, crisps, snacks, things that were on special offer that I didn't need and nothing to actually eat for dinner. Um, and usually I've spent like 30 or 40 pounds. I'm like, I don't even have a meal. Um, so I learned that I need to have a list um, on my phone these days um, of the things that actually are needed and just try and stick to it as much as possible. And one of my other tactics is um, to kind of get, be as quick as possible. Because I, if, I if, if I start to slow down, then I start to go, oh, look at that, and look at this. And before I know it, my trolley's full of things I don't need. Um, so I try to be as quick and as focused as possible these days when I'm shopping. And anyway, so I was in Tesco a couple of weeks ago, um, and I was in this zone of like, right, get the next thing on the list, get that in the trolley, next thing. Um, until suddenly something completely out of the blue happened and smacked me right in the olfactory nerve endings. Some of you will know what that means. Um, it was a smell, a smell of a very, very nice aftershave. Um, it was fresh, it was warm, it was a little bit spicy. It was the perfect aftershave. Um, and it was worn by a stranger. Um, so <laughs> now, don't worry, don't worry, it's not one of those stories. Um, so anyway, th this guy that was wearing it didn't realize he'd caught my attention because of how he smelt. Now, I am a married, wo I'm a married woman. I love my husband with everything that I am. Absolutely, 100%. And I even love the way he smells most of the time. You'll know what I mean. Um, but in this moment, I was like, ah, oh, that what aftershave is that? I have to know because I need to buy it for Stephen. Um, it's his birthday coming up not too long. Um, and this is where I had to stop myself from being a weirdo. A weirdo in Tesco going up to this random guy like, oh, what aftershave are you wearing? I'm just wondering because I want my husband to smell the same as you. Um, yeah, there's not really a way to word that without sounding really strange. So I had to stop myself and I actually don't know what aftershave it was and I will never find out. Never mind. The one Stephen's got is good enough. Um, <laughs> um, sorry. I did, tell, I did warn him about this story. I didn't tell him what I was going to say, but I said, um, yeah, I was going to tell a story. I didn't actually. I didn't tell him about this <clears throat> until today. So anyway, the point of the, this is that a good smell can cut through life's distractions, um, and it can capture our attention. Um, and something that smells nice, it draws us in and it invites us to get closer to whatever it is that smells good. Um, and it also gets people asking, you know, what is that? What's that smell? What's that fragrance? Um, and so today we are going to be exploring what it means for us um, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, to smell like Jesus. Um, and we're, we've I've kind of taken this from the 
second chapter of Second Corinthians. Um, so we are going to read that chapter together. So if you've got your Bible app or your Bible, open it up. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to read the whole thing, although there's just a few things that we're going to be focusing on, but we're going to read the whole thing. So this is what it says. And this is Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. So I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. For if I grieve you, who is left to make me glad but you, with, but you whom I have grieved? I wrote as I did, so that when I came, I would not be distressed by those who should have made me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you that you would all share my joy. For I wrote to you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. If anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Another reason I wrote to you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven... If there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death. To, an, to the other, an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. And that is chapter two. I'm just gonna grab a drink. So when I was preparing for this um, to share today, um, that was it was verse 15 that jumped out at me, where Paul writes that we, the church, the Corinthian church on us, um, are the pleasing aroma of Christ. So I did a little research into what it takes to create a fragrance that people will like, that people will buy um, for Christmas presents, birthday presents. What, what, will, what will people take off the shelf? What will people um, think smells good? So. There's obviously a whole science and an art to this, and um, I just, I mean, what I'm gonna share is very basic, because uh, it, it's, um, you might wanna spend your Sunday afternoon looking f more into it, maybe not, probably not. But basically, um, when, um, yeah, when a perfume or an aftershave is being uh, created, the first thing as well that you will smell when you first smell it um, will be the top notes. So there's the top notes, the middle notes, and the base notes. So the top notes are um, essential oils that are chosen because they're crisp and they're fresh um, and they kind of cut through and they'll grab your attention. So they're, 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 they provide you with your first impression of the fragrance. And so they draw you in um, and they make you want to pick it off the shelf or ask the person in Tesco, <laughs> what's that you're wearing? Um, so when I think of smells like this that are... Um, sort of sharp and crisp and fresh, I think of cut grass. Um, I think of um, like th that spring smell of mowing the lawn. Um, and according to a survey, uh, there was actually a survey done 
um, a few years ago. It's one of the UK's favourite smells, is the smell of cut grass. And you can understand why, because like I say, it makes you think of spring, makes you think of new life, of a new season, um, and um, it's such a fresh, nice smell. And in verse 16, Paul says that the aroma of Christ brings life to those who are being saved. And I don't know about you, but even more than that random guy's aftershave, if I want to smell like anything, I want to smell like, or anyone, I want to smell like Jesus. I want to get my hands on a bottle of whatever this is, the aroma of Christ, um, uh, because of its life-giving fragrance. Um, but I don't think they're selling it in the perfume shop. I haven't actually asked, <laughs> but I'm sure they're not. Um, but anyway, even if it was in a bottle, even if it was something that you could buy, spritzing yourself with it every day is just not going to cut it. Because we, we know that there's only one way to be like Jesus and to um, bring life to, to people that we meet. And that is to spend time with Jesus, to be in his presence. And um, it made me think of um, Psalm 23, where it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. So that says that picture of the grass and the, the freshness. He leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. And so for the aroma of Christ to kind of get in here to permeate who we are, um, then we need to allow Jesus to be our shepherd, to guide us. We need to be able to be, sort of rest in his care for us, trust in his provision, um, and allow um, him to lead us into stillness, into peace. Um, and, you know, through that he can bring new life when we are tired, when we are weary, when we're exhausted. And I felt as I was thinking about that, that for some of us, we are so tired, we are so weary, we're so exhausted, and we really are desperate for that refreshment, that, that lying down by this river and just letting, um, yeah, just rest and being with Jesus. And we can only receive that when we're with him. Um, and, you know, the other thing that I thought of as well was that the world around us is desperate for this. There are people... Um, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our offices, the place where we go, the places where we go are just, they're fed up. You know, they're done in, they're worn out, especially the last couple of years. And, you know, if there's ever a time to be being with Jesus and being in his presence, taking on that fragrance of life and of hope and of new life, newness, freshness and clarity and bringing that into the places where we go, then this is a, the time for that, isn't it? But I also think that we need to sort of address the elephant in the room, um, which is um, what Paul says in verse 16. <laughs> uh, because I, I struggled with this bit, uh, I'm going to be honest. Where, um, so in another part of the Bible, so in 1 Corinthians, so another letter that Paul wrote um, to the Corinthians, Paul had written there that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But here he goes one step further and he says that when we smell like Jesus, when we wear this aroma, some people won't like it. And in fact, we're going to smell like death to them. Um, it's quite, I, Paul just doesn't mince his words sometimes, does he? He just like says it how it is. And you're like, what? What does that mean? Um, and I'm going to, yeah, I, like I say, I'm going to be honest, I kind of struggled with that. Like, what, what does he mean we smell like death? But I think it's that it's, we can't really escape the fact that some people will be offended or repulsed or even disgusted by our Christ-likeness. Um, and you might already have some experience of this where you tried to sort of 
include an outsider in your friendship group and treat them with kindness and you got criticism um, or you said, look, I'm not getting hammered on the Christmas night out and everyone was like, oh, you're such a goody two-shoes, you could go to church and blah, blah. Or, um, you know, maybe when you offered to pray for someone and they just like pulled this face at you, like, um, like you've just farted out loud or something like that, I don't know. Um, you know, so, um, you know, Jesus, I think this is the thing, like when I thought of this, I was like, Jesus was criticized, he was rejected, he was ridiculed and he was mocked, he was persecuted for who he was. And he was perfect, you know, and he was Christ. So when we're Christ-like and we um, imitate him and we take on his, um, yeah, his character and his example and we speak like him and we act like him and we think like him, then it's impossible to not be repulsive to some people. And this just made me think how much in my life I've been challenged by my people-pleasing tendencies and I think for some of us here you can relate to that that um you know that we want to please people we want people's approval and um I feel like some you know for some of us the Holy Spirit needs to really set us free from that and for me that's been a again and again kind of thing I have to keep coming back to it because a lot of us we're looking for that 10 out of 10 that gold star well done oh you're so amazing and or a smile from somebody or a pat on the back or you know, we want to be top of the class or whatever it is that the, that's the, but we're looking for the wrong kind of approval and we're looking for it um, in the wrong places and from the wrong people because the approval from other people, it's always going to be short lived. It's always going to run out. Um, and it's really mostly based on what we've said or what we've done. It's like based on what we've achieved. It's not really based on who we are. Whereas God approves of us because of who we are, who we are through Jesus, who we are by his grace, who we are um, by, through what the Holy Spirit is doing in us in terms of the transformation in us. And we are his, like Thomas said earlier, his dearly beloved children. That is who we are and that is how God sees us. So we have his approval. We don't have to prove anything. We don't have to say certain words, do certain things, achieve certain things to somehow be top of the class or get that medal from God because it's all about who we are through Jesus. And that's what um, verse 15 says where it says, for we are to God a pleasing aroma. So if we're looking to please, we should be looking to please our Father, our Father God, not other people. And, you know, Paul here has a warning for us. He says, um, don't peddle the word of God for profit. In other words, don't try to sort of make the gospel message glossy and attractive and, oh, look, it's so amazing to the world. Um, don't try to sort of dress it up and um, don't use it to serve your own selfish agenda. Don't, can, don't add to it. Don't subtract from it. Don't dilute it and water it down. Don't try to sort of file off the round edges. I was thinking about Instagram. I was like, don't try to put a filter on it, you know what I mean, and make it look pretty for Instagram. Because we don't need to squeeze it into a box or, you know, introduce it with a laser light show to the world because we, it doesn't need to be airbrushed. The gospel doesn't need to be photoshopped um, because it is already attractive. And, um, you know, we, we so often, don't we, in life, we're, we're trying to make things look kind of, yeah, like I say, attractive or um, perfect or um, to others, to the world. 
Um, but when we spend time with Jesus, when we take on his aroma, this fragrance, some people will sort of turn up their nose, they won't like it. But many, many people will find it refreshing, captivating, and they'll wonder where can they get this newness, this life that we carry. Anyway, back to, I've kind of gone off, of, off my notes a wee bit there. Um, so back to the middle, the middle notes of um, a fragrance. So cr when you create a fragrance, there's the middle notes. So these, ha these are after the top notes. The top notes have grabbed your attention. The middle notes um, start to come through. And these are pleasant smells, well-rounded. They're also known as the heart notes because they make up the heart of the fragrance. And they're key to the overall feel that you get from the perfume or the aftershave. They give the, the fragrance whatever it is that's unique about it. Um, they give it some character and they're chosen because they're hearty, they're full-bodied. Um, and when I think of smells like this, which um, are, are pleasant and that tug kind of on the heart, I think of homemade bread. Um, it's, uh, it's actually the UK's number one smell. Um, apparently. I don't know if that's still the case, but um, yeah, I, this survey was from 2015, but it was the winner of all the smells. Homemade bread, the smell of freshly baked bread or a bakery um, is the one that people love the most. And it means a lot to me. I've got a personal attachment to this smell because I have a lot of happy memories of being in my grandma and granddad's kitchen. They had an aga, you know, like one of those huge ovens. I don't really know how it works. <laughs> I don't understand it. It's, all, it's like on all the time. I don't really get it. Um, most people can't work them if they've never had one before. But anyway, um, my grandma and granddad used to make homemade bread all the time. That's the only kind of bread they had in their house. Um, and this bread, <laughs> you have to like see it to, to understand it. It's heavy. It's dense. It's wholemeal. Um, it's like hand kneaded, it's, it's pretty filling. <laughs> you don't need much of it to fill you up. Um, it's basically a bit of a you'll learn to love it kind of situation. Um, and I remember as a kid being like, this is the only bread they have. Ah, like <laughs> being sort of put a t like slice of this toast in front of me and be like, what? Um, what is this? This is, the, this is all there is. Um, but I did eventually learn to love it. But I, di I did always love the smell of it um, because it had just that warm smell, it had that hearty smell, that kind of homely smell. And as Christians, bread and the breaking of bread, we think about the Last Supper, we think about um, you know, the symbol, of the, the, this symbol is Jesus, what he did on the cross, dying on the cross and becoming broken for us. And how he took on the wages of sin, of our sin. And he received the death penalty so that we could receive forgiveness. For us, that's kind of the symbol of bread and broken bread and what it means. And forgiveness is at the very, very heart of the gospel. It is the middle notes, it is the heart notes. Um, because we can't know God's love without it. And we can't show God's love without it. And at school, at secondary school, I had a German teacher. Um, and he had this phrase that he would repeat. So whenever he was trying to teach us something that was like key to the German language and it found like a foundational thing that we needed to know, he was like, this is bread and butter stuff. Um, that was his little phrase. He like said it multiple times a day. He got really sick of it. <laughs> but this is bread and butter stuff was like his little phrase. And he basically was saying like, this is just your daily, everyday like stuff you need to know about the German language. And as, as followers of Jesus, forgiveness is our bread and butter stuff. 
um, it is at the very heart of who we are and what we stand for and what God has done for us, what Jesus has done for us. And this is why I think that Paul tells them, the Corinthians, that they ought to forgive this person. And, and he's speaking into a very specific disagreement that has taken place. And I believe as well, that for some of us today, God really wants to speak to us very specifically about an area or a relationship where we need to choose forgiveness. And it's not an easy thing, is it? And it goes against everything that we, our culture teaches us. Um, but I, I would say, like, I'm, I'm, I'm on a very, uh, what's the word? It's a very long road to learning really how freeing forgiveness is. I'm getting there a bit, bit by bit. I'm certainly further along the road than I was um, 10 years ago or whatever. Um, but, yeah, it, it, ta it takes a long time to realize actually how forgiveness leads to freedom. And it's not just for the person who's being forgiven, but for the person who's been wronged or has, um, is, is the person who's offering forgiveness. Um, it's freeing for them also. And one of the heroes of forgiveness in my books is um, Corrie ten Boom. So a lot of you might have read that book, The Hiding Place, and if you haven't, then you definitely should. It completely changed my concept of what it means to really be a Christian who embraces forgiveness and also just hope in like the most dis yeah, despicable of life situations. So but anyway, she came face to face, I won't spoil the story, but she came face to face with the man who had been responsible for the death of her sister in a concentration camp, and this is many years after it happened. And had like an encounter with the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit, like she was miraculously able to forgive this person. And then, so I found this quote that, because I knew she'd said something, like I was like, oh, she said something about forgiveness, I can't remember what it is. And this was the quote that I found. So um, she says that forgiveness is setting the prisoner free only to find out that the prisoner was me. And although I've never been wronged any, you know, on that scale at all, um, I have discovered a bit of what Corey's talking about that, you know, she's right, that forgiveness does lead to freedom. And um, I actually feel that God right now, because <laughs> there's no time like the present, we're going to close our eyes. We are going to um, invite the Holy Spirit just to search our hearts for a minute or two. And we can pick this back up later on, or you can pick this back up later on with God. Um, so close your eyes just now, and we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. So yeah, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would shine your light on our hearts, God, every corner. And any areas where there's any bitterness or resentment or hatred towards another person, God, would you bring that to light as only you can? And... Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give us courage and also humility to make a step towards forgiveness today. God, I just pray that where there's any coldness or where our hearts have become hardened, that you would soften it, Lord, that you would um, break off any shackles or any chains. 
Lord, that you would set us free. And God, I pray that we would be able to receive your forgiveness for our own sins today, God, where there's been any shame or um, guilt or, yeah, God, that you would just set us free right now from our own sins. And show us how we can forgive others, God. And Jesus, we remember your words on the cross where you said, you said two things. You said, um, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Lord, that you, Jesus, you forgave your enemies that day. The people that had plotted to kill you, you forgave them and you asked God to forgive them. And you also said it is finished. That 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 was an end to the shame, to the guilt, to the the Yeah, to the way that sin ties us up and chains us, God. That that you broke those chains on that day. And we thank you again, God, for what you did by sending your son, Jesus, for us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And as I said, if there's anything in particular that came to mind there, or a relationship that came to mind, then pick that up later on. Don't just leave it there and shut the book. Um, either yourself later in the day or get some prayer maybe with somebody if that's something you need to do so we're, we're, we're coming into land we um have the base notes so we've had the top notes we've had the middle notes now we're on the base notes so these make up the underlying aroma of the fragrance and they're chosen because they're rich and they've got depth and out of all the essential oils that are present in the perfume or the aftershave these are the ones that linger the longest these are the ones that are a bit musky or a bit woody, and um, you would be, still be able to smell them on your skin or the clothes the next day. And when I think of smells that are long-lasting, I, like, I just straight away think of log fires and campfires and bonfires, um, because you can't spend an evening around a fire like that without your skin, your hair, your clothes, everything, um, carrying that warm smokiness for a very long time afterwards. Um, and log fires, yes, is another one of the UK's favorite smells. There's facts every, like, I don't know if any of this stuff ever comes up and who wants to be a millionaire or anything like that, but if it does, please send some money my way, Duncan. Um, so yeah, no, um, <laughs> no I'm just, I just, that's greedy, no. Um, so anyway, yeah, so there's a richness, there's a depth to that smoky smell, that, that smell of the log fire that's hard to beat. Um, and um, in verse four, uh, Paul speaks about the depth of his love for these Christians, for his brothers and sisters in Corinth. Um, and despite the tensions that, you know, between them and the conflict that they've recently had to go through, um, Paul's underlying feeling for these people that he leads is one of deep love. And when it comes to spending time with Jesus, and when we're carrying his fragrance, and when we're spending time with him, it's love which forms the foundation of all that we do, isn't it? And, and just who we are as followers of him. Psalm 103 says that as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love. So God literally loves you to the moon and back. 
Um, or I, I'm a big fan of Buzz Lightyear, so I'm thinking more to infinity and beyond. That's how far God's uh, love stretches.